Welcome to the very first Extraordinary Leaders podcast. The first of every month, we're going to be sending out to you one of these sessions, and we're just praying that it will encourage you and sharpen you, and we want you to listen to it in your own time, and then you're going to be able to discuss it at your leadership life group. Recently, we had Pastor John Cameron all the way from Arise Church in New Zealand here with us, and he did an amazing session, and we just thought it was too good to keep to ourselves. And so this month's leadership podcast is that session. You're going to listen to it, you're going to think about it, you're going to discuss it, and it is going to be awesome. This session is over half an hour long. So you're going to have to create some space. Maybe you'll have to listen to it in two goes. But remember, you are your greatest investment. So it is time well spent. See you on the other side. This is going to be fantastic. All right. 1 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 1. After David returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, sorry, after Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. That just sounds cool. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. We'll leave that one there. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of. They've got a prophecy. When he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing against my master, the Lord's anointed, or ever lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and he went on his way. Um, I want to talk to you this morning um, a simple message And uh, this is for you. This is not so much for what you do. This is for you in the middle of the life that we are leading, an increasingly complex and demanding life where events happen to us and things can threaten to uh, overwhelm us and we can lose ourselves in the middle of the activities that are before us each and every day. And uh, if you want to write this message down in a nutshell, I can give it to you and then you can feel free to zone in and out as we go throughout the talk, depending on what you had for uh, morning tea and breakfast will determine probably the degree to which you need to do that. But uh, I'm just joking, just joking. I'm not joking at all. But uh, (laughs) the the essence of this message is this, okay? God is in control of the universe. All we need to do is control ourselves, (laughs) okay? Most people try to control their universe and lose control of themselves. God is in control of the universe. All He asks us to do is to control ourselves. Most people try to control their universe and lose control of themselves. 
of all of life's questions, I think one of the greatest must be, who is in control? What are we called to control? What are we called to not control? What are you attempting to, uh, currently attempting to control that you cannot and never will? And at the end of the day, life often comes back to that simple question, who is in control? I've been serving Jesus full-time now for 25 years. During those 25 years, have faced many, many challenges. I'm sure you've got your own list. I've had many, many things that have uh, taken place in my life, situations that I've had to walk through, leadership challenges that have come my way, personal challenges that have come my way. And out of all the things that I've had to learn as a husband, as a father, as a pastor of a church that regularly feels like it is out of control, I think who and what is I'm called to control is probably the most important thing in life. Let me say it to you one more time. God is in control of the universe. All He asks us to do is to control ourselves. Most people try to control their universe and lose control of themselves. Now, if this is true, let me add to it. I find the life God has for me when I stop trying to control the universe and I start controlling me. Why? Because God is in control of everything, comma, but me. God is in control of everything but me. God is in control of the universe. All He asks us to do is to control ourselves. Most people try to control their universe and lose control of themselves. I find the life God has for me when I stop trying to control the universe and I start controlling me. Because God is in control of everything but me. This is the daily struggle of our lives, isn't it, guys? I wish I could say I'm beyond it, but you only need to drive your car in rush hour traffic to discover that most people are struggling with who and what they are called to control. We cannot control the traffic. We cannot control the driver that is in front of us. But you can see every day of your life, people that have lost control of themselves, yelling, making long-handed gestures with index fingers, saying things to other people. Why is everyone looking at Foz? Attempting to control the universe and losing control of themselves. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, one of the greatest challenges of our culture is domestic abuse. Attempting to control that which they will never control and losing control of themselves. In conflict, we as pastors can go from assertiveness to rage and manipulation. In difficult times, we are consumed by worry and we forget to worship. Have you ever considered that Moses did not enter the promised land because he lost control of himself? 
He was angry at the Israelites, struck the rock twice. And because he wanted to make Israel pay, that rock, by the way, was Jesus. And because he lost control of himself, he was prevented from going into the promised land. That's the truth of the scripture. And when we lose ourselves in anger or worry or manipulation of any kind, it is holding us back from our destiny too. I don't want to say you're sentenced to the wilderness forever. It's not true. But it is absolutely preventing you and I from going further into what God has. God is in control of the universe. All he asks us to do is to control ourselves. Most people try to control the universe and they lose control of themselves. In our passage, uh, we are discussing two kings, Saul, who is the current king, and David, who is the coming king. And if these two kings are a lesson in anything, it is a lesson in who and what we try to control. When we think about Saul, Saul was insecure. He was easily threatened. He had massive bouts of depression. Why? Because Saul tried to control the universe. He tried to control that which was external. He tried to impact things that were outside of himself. He was not worshipful. He was not surrendered. He was not allowing God to be God. God is in control of the universe. All he asks us to do is to control ourselves. Most people try to control the universe and lose control of themselves. David, in contrast to Saul, was a worshipful worshiper. He enjoyed in his life supernatural success. He not only became king over Israel, by all accounts, he enjoyed it. Many successful years on the throne. Why? Because David focused on controlling himself. Sometimes it almost appears to the detriment of his leadership, but we could teach about that in another lesson. But for today, let's focus on this. David learned to control himself. David was focused on David. Saul was focused on trying to control everything else. And guys, when we look at Saul, we're looking at Israel's first attempt at a king. It is version 1.0. There's never been another king before Saul. He has, enjoyed, he has uh, been privileged with unprecedented success. Nobody ever reached that heights before. You would think given that opportunity that he would enjoy it. Yet the truth is he didn't. He struggled with depression. He was overwhelmed by anxiety. Most of his actions were driven by fear, not by faith. And when we look at his life, we realize that he was worried and he was troubled. I mean, we've got the Philistines coming out to confront Israel in battle. And Saul is buried in the depths of his tent. He is overwhelmed. He is paralyzed. He is unable to act. He is in a fit of depression. And when, you know, he just didn't, he had lost control of himself. When, Saul, when David was successful, Saul was murderous. 
when other people were doing well, Saul was upset about it. Saul made this mistake. He intermingled himself with his kingship. He made the mistake of trying to control what was external to him. And he tried to control what he could never control. You don't have to look too far in life to find people whose success has not helped them. Whose good days have not blessed them. Whose, whose dreams coming true have hurt their lives. I mean, listen, when we've, we've been driving around, Glenn has been feeding me on a steady diet of music. And it is amazing when you are listening to artist after artist after artist who has reached the pinnacle of fame and many times extreme wealth and, and success in their fields who take their own lives. And you think, how could that be that your dreams come true and your life comes to an end? And the answer is one of control. We must separate ourselves from the activities that we do. We must allow God to be God over what He is good at being God of. God is in control of everything but me. God is in control of the universe. All He asks us to do is to control ourselves. Most people try to control their universe and lose control of themselves. Saul lost his kingship by trying to control. He lost his kingship to David essentially because he allowed the people to decide his actions. And in so doing, he disobeyed God. I always like to parallel the sins of Saul and David. It's amazing. Saul's sin was that he offered up sacrifices before the appointed time. Samuel said, don't arrive, don't offer up sacrifices until I get there. But Saul had at it. He started offering up the sacrifices. They put pressure on him because they were leaving. He felt like he had to act. Fear rose up in his heart and he gave in to their coercion. And because he lost control of his heart and gave in to the controlling pressure of people, God said to him, you can no longer be the king. Because God is in control and He wants a leader that just simply stays in control of themselves. We don't have to control the events. We don't have to make every wrong right. We don't have to stress out about everything out there. But I have to walk in obedience to the man. You have to walk in obedience to the man or woman that God has called us to be. In David, we have King of Israel 2.0. And when you think about David, man, his journey could not be any different. He rose to prominence through events that were completely outside of his control. I mean, when, when the holy prophet Samuel arrived at Jesse's house to anoint one of his sons king, David is not even brought to the king. He is the prophet. He is left in the back paddock. He is, he is left where nobody could find him. Listen, you don't have to control what rooms you are in or out of. You don't have to worry about what position you are in. You don't have to care about whatever obscurity the task leads you into. If God wants to find you, He'll find you no matter what back paddock you're in. 
It is about letting God be God. I don't have to stalk people on Instagram. I don't have to worry about what station I am given in church life. God is in control. If I focus on being the person God wants me to be, God will put me in the place He wants me to be. God is in control. Somebody say amen. Amen. David, he enjoyed life. He's a worshiper. As a young man, he just focused on seeking after God. You know, just doing what God had asked him to do. He was out there in the back paddock, but he didn't flee when the lion and the bear attempted to take the sheep. He, he, he looked after what he, he was in control of himself. He wasn't bitter. He wasn't resentful. He was the youngest of eight, the brother from another mother. Yet his heart wasn't filled with bitterness. It was filled with worship. He turned his isolation into intimacy. He just made the most of every moment. So when Samuel looked at Eliab and thought, man, this guy is tall, handsome, comes from the right family. Surely he is the one. God said, God, I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. David was plucked from unbelievable obscurity and anointed king over Israel, an event totally outside of his control. If we will get control of ourselves, we don't have to control the world around us. When David faced Goliath, that was a battle and a victory over which he had little to no control. He's just a young kid, 17 years old or younger, too young to be listed among the fighting men. Goliath, an experienced soldier from his youth and a giant of a man. Yet with one smooth stone, David slew the giant. We don't have to understand everything. We don't have to know everything. We don't have to cover off every risk before we do something. But if we let God be God, then it is going to enable us to do much more for Him than we are doing right now. Listen. The internal battles you fight will be of far greater importance than the external ones. The ability that we find to allow our lives to be governed by God is much greater than the ability we have to govern anything that is outside of us. When Saul experienced his depression, it was David that played the harp to ease it. Isn't that amazing? That Saul, and by the way, the depression that Saul experienced was not the kind of depression that comes from having the propensity towards it, but the kind of depression that only power and responsibility can bring. And in the middle of that moment, we find that, you know, uh, that David was brought in and his entrance into the history books was through his ability to bring a different spirit in the place of that environment. What an amazing thing. Never confuse authority with domination. You can be in a position of authority and not feel that you have to have domination. When we wrongly mistake authority with domination, we try to control the world around us. And Saul was inwardly outside of control because of what he was outwardly trying to control. 
Here's a little test that you can use personally. Next time you're finding yourself anxious and stressed out, ask yourself if your emotions are going crazy, if you're up and then you're down. Ask yourself the question, what am I trying to control? What outside of me am I trying to change that is leading me to inwardly be in a rage? David's life is a testimony to two things, guys, isn't it? Firstly, of God being in control over his life. There's no way he could end up where he was unless God was in control. And the second thing is it's a testimony of David being in control of David's life. I mean, here we've got David buried in the depths of a tent. The man who is attempting to kill him wanders into that tent to relieve himself. And as he is in this vulnerable moment, David's boys give him a word from God. Are you in that scene right now? David is afraid. Okay. David is being persecuted. All the events that are external to David are horrible. Saul has genocidally murdered an entire town, a famous town in this uh, particular church from one of my first visits here, the town of Nob. Everybody was killed in that town. Right? David has has gossip columns. He has uh, he has been misrepresented. There is lies and innuendo being spread about David throughout the entire nation. And the man responsible for all of that comes into that cave. His boys have a prophecy. The Lord spoke of this. Hello? David reaches out. He cuts the corner off that tent, that, that robe. And the Bible tells us that immediately he is conscience stricken. He refuses to break his principles to advance his opportunities. He refused to be a different man to get what he wanted in his life. David stayed in control of David. Friend. You are not called to control the universe. You are not called to control the universe. Ministry is filled with demands and pressures and stuff and things. And if we start to get worried about what's going on in our lives, if we allow ourselves to get caught up in the stuff that we are facing, we are going to end up with a miserable life when we should be having an awesome life. Did you know that Jesus commanded us guys nine times not to worry, verbatim? Nine times Jesus said, do not worry. That's not the totality of scripture. That's just when the words are in red. Nine times he said, do not worry. We have a three-letter word to describe when we do things that God has told us not to do. Anybody know what that three-letter word might be? sin. When God told you not to do it and you do it, it is a sin. So why did Jesus say not to worry? He said, your father who knows what you need, your father who is aware of what you're facing, your father who is in control of the universe can take care of that stuff. You seek the kingdom of God. 
Next phrase, and His righteousness. You keep staying on the course God's got you on, and you be the person God wants you to be. And God has the ability to take care of everything else. Come on, give Him a little bit of praise if you're grateful that God has got your back. He's in control, team. Are you happy about that? He is in control. Man, when, when worry is a manifestation of our attempts to control what we shouldn't and we can't. Yeah. Worry is a loss of control of me. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm preaching to myself every time I preach this message, but it's, it's a sin. And when Christianity becomes religion too, just to add to that, it's when Christians attempt to control people. The imposition of laws on others is often about us trying to get them to be like we want them to be. Hello? The second point this morning, number one, you're not in control of the universe. Number two, you're not called to control other people. In relationships, the greatest destroyer is the person who is trying to control the other person. The moment fear is driving your behavior in a relationship, you've lost control. Parents, it's my job to nurture my children, to guide my children, but I cannot control my children. God will not judge me based on the performance of my wife or my kids. He will judge me based only on the character of me. And guys, we have to walk every day letting God be God. Hello, we have to let Him be in control. I remember when we started Arise, I didn't have children. And when our church was blowing up in those early days, um, you know, it was, it was growing from like 400 to 800 in, the, in those kind of radical years of, of crazy multiplication growth. Um, I remember standing in the church foyer with this, this young little kid, Lara. And my daughter is honestly the only human being I know who is as strong-willed as I am. And in the foyer, she'd already been in three church services for the day, probably had yet to have dinner. Every parent knows where this is going. Standing in the church foyer, my daughter has the most almighty tantrum. I am talking lying on the ground, kicking, screaming. Come on, any parent. There's only two types of reactions to that in the world, by the way, non-parent and parent. Every parent is going, good luck, not my kid. Every non-parent is going, I wish that parent was a good parent. <laughs> How many people are with me on that one? It's just, there's only two reactions. Non-parent, you're like, good luck, bro, I'm going for a burger. <laughs> you know, if it's your kid, and if you haven't got children, you're like, ooh, these guys aren't even saved yet. <laughs> well, I've got a church, I've got a church that is full of university students. Young, idealistic, judgmental. <laughs> I am standing there. I am the holy man of God, supposedly. My daughter is having a wild temper tantrum. I looked at their faces. I saw. I saw. I felt. I was embarrassed. Have you ever had that moment? Every part of me was angry because I was embarrassed. And then I felt the Holy Spirit arrest me. I wish I was a perfect parent always, but this is a good story. 
I have bad ones too. But in that moment, I realized that I was going to define how my child interacted with church by what I did next. I'm so grateful that I heard the Holy Spirit's prompting. I responded. I was angry because I was embarrassed. Yet I found a place. I did in this moment find it. I haven't always uh, made me really mad, those kids sometimes. But I found a place. I looked at my daughter. I forced myself to laugh out loud. And as I laughed, I looked at the people. I looked back at my daughter. And I said, don't you know you're the pastor's kid and you're supposed to be perfect all the time? (laughs) They laughed too. I picked her up. I shoved bread in her mouth and the problem went to an end. (laughs) Sometimes you just got to get pizza or something in them to, to get sanity back. You understand what I'm saying? But if we start to control other people, if we start to get external to ourselves, you will lose your character and you will hurt the other person. And we must not be controllers. Number three, you are not in control of your life. You're not in control of your life. You're not in control of your life. You are not in control of your life. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. And God worked through David's life to bring him to a point where he was able to say, it's you. It's you. All I have to do is focus on John and God's going to take care of the rest. I don't want a door that God doesn't open. I don't want a platform that God didn't ordain me for. I don't want a church that's bigger than my character can handle it. I don't want to have influence that's going to lead to my marriage falling apart. I just want to focus on saying God is in control. I'm not in control. And the moment I try to control what I can't control, I'm going to lose me. The only thing I have to control is myself. The only thing I have to do is narrow my focus and say, John, get out of bed every day and in every moment, be who God's called you to be. Become more like Christ. React like Jesus. Let God take care of everything else. He is really good at running the universe, but He can't run me. He needs me to focus on me. God is in control of the universe. All He asks us to do is to control ourselves. Most people try to control their universe and lose control of themselves. God wants me to focus on me. He wants me to release all my hurt through forgiveness. He wants me to remove the log from my own eye. He wants me to go the extra mile. He wants me to make the principled response. See, friends, here's the thing. If you want a big life, if you want to grow to the next level of leadership, it's going to come back to who and what we're trying to control. To go big in life, make your control very small. When I start to control everything, my life gets very small. Hello? Let me just close with this illustration. Anybody out there play golf? I don't play golf very often. Okay, nobody here plays golf. Here is the thing about golf, and I'm sure Sparky, who is a very good golf player, will testify to this. 
What most people try to do with golf is they think about a little ball and the distance that is ahead, and they think to themselves, the further the distance, the harder I have to whack it. They grip the club tighter. They smack the ball as their heart is beating faster, and the ball goes off in every conceivable direction, both forwards and occasionally backwards. The key to golf is knowing that the club determines how far the ball travels. Composure. Inner peace. Not worrying about anything else. Choosing the right club for the distance and letting the club play through the ball is going to be the key for how successful my golf game is. And in life, that's a great lesson. If God wants you to preach to 30,000, you just play through the ball. If God only has for us today 30, then we just play through the ball. But we focus not on what is external. We focus on what is internal. And when I stay in control of me, God can take care of the rest. Amen. God is in control. God is in control.